Out on the field. Does that make noise? Yeah. And you guys stop by lean. You get uh, you get the train whistle. Chattanooga choo choo. I thought this like this is my pick for swag too because it's so on brand. Oh. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Chattanooga choo choo. Right. Yeah. So blow. Let's hear it. Well, it's the sound of my people now. All right. <laughs> Delicious. Hey, it's been a great time at this event. It's been awesome running into everybody that's been here. It's it's been kind of overwhelming. I thought Arkansas was big, but this one's even bigger. Oh, We've yeah. seen so many people. It's been, it's been cool. One of the themes has been population decline, but one place I, I didn't see population decline at all was at that J.B. Hunt party last oh, night. Oh, at the pavilion last night? That, especially awesome. Naked River. How many of you were at Naked River? See a few of you dragging, oh, there, dragging yeah, yeah, down there. It was so busy, I had to kick some Freightways people so out people of here. Some people going, not so loud. Eli Young Band. <laughs> you got a magic awesome. trick to do. It was awesome. I do. We, we, have, we, we need missed, some sucker to do it. Dude. We missed a keynote this morning. I heard it was really interesting because we had to go ride the Plus AI truck. It was awesome. And we, what, did you, what was your impression on that? I thought it was, I, I loved it. And I, I loved all the technology that they're doing. I loved their approach to it. Right? Yeah. If you guys haven't seen this, uh, you go to Room 10, you can sign yeah. up. Plus AI, they have an autonomous truck. They've got a, you don't need a CDL. They've got a driver and everything. And it's interesting because the tech is, like, I put this online. I have a lot of trucking followers. And they're like, why are the mirrors so big? Why do you have to use yeah. a turn signal? Yeah. And it turns out there's a lot of regulation in this space. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's like driver assist. It's a lot better than driver assist. Well, a lot of a, what's holding it back is actually they couldn't let it really spread its wings to fly. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a level four autonomous truck, but they yeah. have it pared down to just around level two-ish. Uh, but, yeah, really awesome and great technology. They install it in a, a you know, it's OEM agnostic, and they can install it in one day. Yeah, we the highly recommend thing. you go check that one out. They'll give you all of that cool. sort of insight into the regulatory issues that are going on with, uh, with autonomous yeah. trucking, too. Yeah. But we want to learn a little bit more about that keynote. So let's bring John Kingston up here. He's the yeah. host of Drilling Deep over here. He's Yay. our oil expert. There are many problems with oil this year, have there? How you doing, guys? What's up, John? Great to be here. What's up, John? We get him up for Christmas presents this year. What's going on with diesel? What's going on with diesel? <laughs> I, okay, we can talk about diesel. Let's just say this. I'll make it real quick. The EIA inventory report came out this morning. Everybody's been watching that really closely. Nice gain in stocks on the East Coast. A little bit of a gain nationally. Good news. Long way to go. But at least it it headed in the right direction this morning. So I follow a lot of truck drivers, and I tend to end up with a lot of conspiracy theories in my timeline. I'm not saying the two are related. But one you keep hearing is that we're going to run out of diesel in 25 days. Trucks aren't going to be moving. Is that true? No, that's not true. Okay, there is a statistic every week that comes out called days cover. And what it means is that when you take your inventory level and you divide it by consumption, and the number that comes out is your days cover, it assumes that... If the United States completely stopped producing all diesel, if it stopped importing all diesel, essentially cut off its supplies, how many days could inventories manage? And that number came down to 25. Now, that is a very, very low number. I'm not, yeah. I want to downplay it. But we, we, I would say at this time of year, probably like 33 to 35. Okay. Okay, so no. So we're not going to run out of diesel in 25 days. Okay, gotcha. well, good. Okay. You'll all be able to get home. That's good to know. Yes. Yeah. That's good to know. Although, who'd want to leave? We got a great Coolidge Park thing coming up. We got the aquarium thing tonight. We got a whole another day tomorrow. But this morning, we kicked off with a keynote, and it kind of dovetailed into the theme of the keynote we heard yesterday, where there were that big theme of population decline came up. 
China moving away from them as a manufacturing hub. What, what did you learn this morning from your talk? Well, John Ibbotson was the, the keynote speaker, and, and I interviewed him uh, on, on the main stage. And he came out with a book with a co-author about th two, three years ago called Empty Planet. And it's about depopulation, how particularly the Western countries, for the most part, uh, are all losing population, but that the problem is even more significant in China. Yeah. The problem is significant in Russia. Uh, and the problem will get more significant here in the U.S. And this is a theme that I've heard. So when I read the book, when I was asked to interview him and then read his book, I thought, great, because this is a subject I'm very interested in. And you know, Wait, did you really read the book or did you go to the oh, Wikipedia? Oh, I read the, I read the whole thing. So, um, so you know, he, he looked at China a lot in this. And, you know, because of China's one-child policy, you've got a massive drop in younger people who are then, there's fewer of them to have babies for the next generation. And it really, and it's also a, a call for more immigration in the U.S. The U.S. is a country that, despite immigration being a significant issue now, and really has always been, but um, has long taken in immigrants from all over the world and assimilated them and done well. And his argument here is that if the U.S. could continue on uh, an open immigration, legal immigration policy, and maybe taking more people who are legal, uh, and then you look, weigh it up against China and their decline, because nobody really, quite frankly, wants to emigrate to China, not because sure. there's anything wrong with it, but I mean, it's, a, it's an authoritarian communist state. Those sure. countries like that tend not to bring in a lot of people who are looking for a better life. That you could imagine, like, by 2050, that the population of China, which is now like 1.4 billion, would be about 750 million, yeah. and the U.S. would be about 430, 440 million. So the idea of China as this absolute locked-in economic dominant, dominant economic power of the world going forward is just not going to happen given the, the lack of people there. And we could, we in the U.S. could retain our role, but we're going to have to bring in a lot more immigrants because our birth rate is down to 1.6%. And the replacement number is 2.1. So before we let oh, you go, wow. my last follow-up question here then is this. Uh, is it good that populations are declining because we drove that autonomous truck? Automation is coming in. Jobs are going to get replaced. We've heard all these debates about universal basic income because people won't have jobs due to robots. So well, is, it, is there another side of the coin? I mean, I, I mean that's, a, that's a kind of Malthusian view that I would never agree with. Uh, you know, 25%. At the turn of the century, 1900, 25% of this country's population was involved in agriculture. That's now less than 2%. There are always new jobs. New jobs are always created. New needs are created. You know, just, just think about jobs that are considered standard that if somebody told you today, well, this is what I do for a living, that 15 years ago, those jobs may not have even existed. Yeah. And uh, so I, I don't really worry about that. Uh, people's demands for services and new goods uh, always rise, and yes, so AI and automation may displace a lot, but there'll be new jobs to be found. Like probably, you know, we're going to need at a certain point two new hosts of What the Truck, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. it's true, it's true. It's true. So. By well, John, thank you so much for coming on. Go see John Kingston on the floor. He'll answer all your diesel. I don't know, what do you want to do at this event? What do you want people to come up what and do talk I want to, to you do? about? I, you know, what, what, well, we're, we're riding like crazy. I yeah. mean, if you, myself and the editorial team, if you look at freightwaves.com, there's lots of stuff there. So we'd like to get out of the press room and get around much, but we want to write a lot, too, because we want to share the whole world with the whole world, everything that's going on here. So Okay, well, yeah. if you got a story, tell this man here. John, thanks for coming okay, up. Okay, thank you, Good guys. seeing you in chat. Yep. By the way, I don't know. Do you think the Jets will recover? John's looking a little no. We lost mm. Brees Hall. It could be tough for him. It would be tough. Hey, want to talk to uh, Mario Doug? Or are you, you? Do we want Mario now, or do you want to come up now, Hallie? Hi. All right. Sorry, they told me I was next. 
Oh, no, it's okay. You can come up now. They, yeah. yeah like, earlier, you want they were like, oh, Ellie wants to come on at, at the end. So we, were, we moved you there, but here's fine, too. Okay. How are you guys? We're doing, doing great. great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I don't think I'll be quite as threatening as John, you know, saying we need uh, two new hosts, but, you know, I'll do what I can. Well, then yeah, she can be the first victim, because the, ne- oh, the, yeah. the next guest was going to get the magic trick, so you're getting the magic well, trick, Haley. We can do the magic trick to all of them. Uh, well, yes, it's but like they always say card. never do a magic trick It's like a three-card Monty, right? Have you seen this? I have not. Okay, no. So uh, you see the black card right there in the middle. You I gotta do. See where, where is it going to be? Where is it going to be? Right. Is mm-hmm. it, okay. Pick it out. Pick it up. Yeah. Pick it out. Pick out the black card. Pick out the black card. Yeah. Oh, mind freak! Look at that. Amazing stuff. Nobody's well, clapping. You know why no one's clapping? Why? It's a lame trick. Yeah. It was better when the actual <laughs> professional magician did. Yeah, it's only it lame much, when you... So this is more about your skills, I'm not a magician. <laughs> yeah, probably. How's the event treating you so far? It's been great. Um, I mean, we were at TIA last week, so it was great to see people there last week, and then this week, and then, of course, new faces, because there are so many people here, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Well, what are you talking to people about here? Um, what problems are they facing in the, in the industry that were, um, you know, that in the economy that John talked a little bit about, right, with interest rates increasing and, um, and you know, labor, uh, just finding the right people for the right roles and what brokers are, you know, trying to focus on in terms of technology and, and who, which partners they're working with. So you pump it, published a blog recently about bringing transparency to payments for brokers. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's all about in case they hadn't read it out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the blog just came out today, and it's about our transportation payments network and how we're connecting brokers, factors, um, and eventually carriers and shippers through structured data, right, at the source of truth, and working to really uncover um, a lot of this fraudulent activity that is taking place. And just people have been able to kind of work under the radar for a while because you're not quite sure who they really are, right? And with the volume of uh, payments that are flowing through the network right now, we're able to see very specifically um, who these carriers are. And a specific example is a carrier who maybe have a two-asset trailer, but they're running, you know, a couple hundred loads a week. And we don't have that visibility, um, or we traditionally haven't had that visibility that we now have today. And so obviously that's an indication of potential double brokering that we're able to surface from the data we see. Yeah, so security is a big part of it, right? I mean, but it, in such a in, in such a tight market, right? Is, is it is it? How does technology help in that? Yeah. So um, as Garrett mentioned earlier, you know, um, we're able to authenticate bank accounts for carriers, um, and and that's really helping our brokers focus on what they do best, yeah. right? Which is working with their carriers, booking loads, and really expanding their brokerage, not sure. focusing on the payments aspect um, or really validating carrier bank accounts. And so I think that's where we're really strong in helping brokers. Interesting. So why do you think brokers are turning towards tech, especially now? I've heard a lot of people, they're stopping by all these booths in great conversations. Why is now the time? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's always been the time, right? I mean, the last couple of years, uh, we uh, everyone has been growing really steadily. And in order to continue with that scale, um, they've had to turn to technology partners. So the last couple of years have been really great for brokers. It's been really great for Triumph Pay. We've been able to grow. And then the inverse is also true with the economy that we're about to enter. Um, scalability is very important, making sure that you have people in the right seats doing value-added roles for your company. And so what technology partners are able to take on some of that automation for you. Um, and then the last thing uh, that uh, I wanted to say about that was 
um, integrating with different partners is also a big conversation point, right? There's a ton of technology partners here, and your tech stack's really important. But what I talked with another broker about the other day is they have 15 different applications. Is that actually helping their brokerage, or is it making more work? So I think integrating tech partners is really important. Yeah, paring it down to make sure that it's efficient. You don't have tech just for the sake of having tech. And uh, also freeing up capital, right? So the, the speed of the payments, the ease of this payment, uh, taking over the back office, that type of stuff is important. But freeing up that capital is, as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the rising interest rates and what, what you know, your working capital, making sure you're having that for projects versus tied up in your quick pay program or tied up in your payments process. Yeah. As a bank, when you really focus on like what you do best, that is what we do best. Well, so moving into four, what are you guys looking at in the fourth quarter and into the into the first quarter of 2023? Yeah, just continuing to grow the Try and Pay Payments Network. We're um, at an annual uh, run rate of 1.2 billion now, adding more brokers and factors to that to really streamline the payments process. And um, just looking forward to having a lot of conversations with brokers right now. Like, what are the problems you're facing, and how can we help? Whether that's with fraud, with automation, um, or something completely different in the post love world. Cool. Well, hey, why, why should people stop by Triumphase Boot today? Why should they interact with you out at all these experiences? Why should they come up to you at the aquarium? Who do you want to talk to? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, we have beer at our booth right now, so Ooh, come no. have a drink with there us. There you go. Um, it would be great to chat with you. Um, also, just hear what you're facing in the industry today. Like, what problems are you having? How can we help? Maybe if Try and Pay can't help, we know another partner who can, and would just love to have that conversation. And then, of course, come to our barbecue event today at 3:30. We'd love to see you there and enjoy some Texas barbecue. There you go. Very cool. Very awesome. cool. Thank well, thanks so for coming much. up Thank on you. stage. Really appreciate. Good to see you. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Here, you should be holding this. Make her hit this cowbell. Oh, we need to hear. We have a little competition here. You guys are going to vote on who wins. You can also hold, you can hold it if you okay. want to do something more right. stylish. Not that that wasn't awesome. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't awesome. Oh, all right. I don't know. The bar's a little higher, Frank. Like the, okay. All right. Moderately right. higher. Yeah, the bar's a all little right. bit higher. Guys. All right. You know, a Triumph like Payer, a Triumph Payer in 2019 at Transparency won the Best in Show Cowbell Award. Did they really? I can't remember. Who, who was she? it? She. Oh, that's right. Yes. That is true. Frank, come on up, man. All right. Torque Robux, I'm actually coming out to see your team in New Mexico in a couple weeks. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this. Frank Mabry right here. He's a senior freight analyst over with Torque. They are an AI truck company. You know, I actually got some perspective, too. I had my, I had my first ride. I wish it was with Torque, but it was with Plus today. I had a ride with them, but I got to experience it. It was really, really interesting. So I'm excited to have this conversation because at least it has some context of the tech in motion. Well, you just saved the best for second, I guess. I guess so. That's right. I guess We're so. Looking, looking forward to having you come out and seeing the tech. I think you're going to have a good time. And, yeah. Uh, hopefully it's a boring ride. That means nothing went wrong. Yeah, it, it can be kind of uneventful, and, and ours was, thankfully. Although, yeah, it definitely was. No, the only, the only oh, almost wow. incident there was was it's not the truck. It's just like some idiot walking down the street decided to um, – Walk right Just behind walk the truck. Right it's like I was backing it up into a spot. Thankfully, we had a good driver and it had that assist technology. But yeah, it's the humans, man. That's the thing. <laughs> it's all the variables. That's the hang up right now is, you know, we've got to account for everything. Not just one thing or two things, but everything out there that the truck might encounter during its mission. Yeah, Frank, at, a, at an event like F3, what is the community asking about torque? What kind of conversations are you having here? You know, it's all across the board. One of the main things we're here for is to 
to quell some of the, I, I guess, the false news and it's going to take over everything. And, and I'm here to tell you that if you're, if you want to be a truck driver and you want to go into the, this industry now and you want to retire, absolutely do it. There'll always be a need for truck drivers. And just like your first guest said, there's, there's, it's going to create newer jobs. Who's going to teach the trucking companies how to use these trucks, how to launch them, how to, to, to certify them to be launched and make sure they're in the proper working order to go and, and fulfill their mission? It's going to take somebody the experience that knows what the truck is supposed to do, what it's supposed to look like, and how it's supposed to perform. So it's going to create new jobs. You know, we're not here to replace anybody. We're here to add another mode for shippers and trucking companies to service their customers, to get the freight out there. That, that makes perfect sense. So how, how, how do you go about integrating all that knowledge into the development of the autonomous truck? So that's one of the things that as part of the corporate strategy team that, that we're doing now is, now our business model is, I mean, we're an independent subsidiary of Daimler Trucks. And their motto is they don't compete with their customers. So you're never going to see a, a Freightliner trucking company or a Daimler trucking company. So we've got our heads down. Our core co competency is building the truck, perfecting the technology, and getting it ready to go on the road. And we want to sell those trucks to a company, a trucking company, that it's their core competency to haul freight. And so we'll sell it to them. We're looking at right now on the corporate strategy team everything that we can possibly look at. How could you use it? What are you going to run into? How do you, what teams in your company need to collaborate? How do you, what team do you want to set up to watch and, and look, you know, manage these trucks. Hmm. So when, when a company does buy a, a Freightliner or torque-powered Freightliner Cascadia, we'll go in and say, okay, here are best practices. Now, here's what we suggest. Now, you know, let's collaborate with your company to make you profitable with this technology. What, what about the drivers? I mean, I work with a few drivers. They're incredibly cynical people. There's one of them over there. But, you know, there's always this sort of perception that comes in that, like, engineers know engineer stuff, drivers know driver stuff. Why is an engineer designing stuff for truck drivers? How much involvement is there with the driver and that user experience? Which is an interesting thing to think about because if you think about automation, there is sort of like, eh. Well, a tremendous amount. It's, yeah. you know, I've got over 30 years' experience in the transportation industry. I actually have a CDL, so, uh, you know, I'm part of that. We have drivers right now that are testing. We've got basically three phases of testing, you know, simulation, closed course track, and then on the road testing. Uh, it's all right now driver in, so the driver's there. Uh, it's probably one of the toughest jobs because he's got to be alert for anything and everything at any given moment uh, with the computer driving the truck. So he's got to be alert. He's giving his feedback on what he sees, how it handles, uh, what it should do, what it, what it did do of, of as opposed to what it should do. So they've got a tremendous amount of input on, on you know, what we're developing right now. Yeah, so and what, about the, what about the safety standards? I mean, you go from state to state, and you can have level four here. You can only have level yeah. two there. You can do that. And there's federal regulations on top of that. How do you stay on top of that and, and kind of weave through that? So we've, we've got a, a compliance division that uh, works very closely with the federal government and the state local governments. Most of well, all of the states that we're testing in right now on the road, it is illegal to, to test in. That's going to currently grow. I mean, there's still a ways to go before this is commercialized. So, I yeah. mean, let, let's be real. It's, it's, it's going to be a while before. I mean, we're not going to go purple, uh, commercial until it's safe for 
my family, your family, and the guy next to us to be yeah. on the road with that truck. So I think it'll all get there. It'll get there sooner than you probably think. Uh, and technology, I mean, it, it evolves every day. So Yeah. So the standards kind of change as you evolve, as the industry evolves as yes. well, right? So it's yes. a lockdown now, but once you prove a certain step, then it can expand and move forward. And you got to prove it, right? It's, it's, I wouldn't even say it's a lockdown. Just in the re recent couple of months, Oklahoma, Kansas, mm. I mean, there's a lot of them yeah. that are already, they've got this on the forefront. I just talked to a lady from New Jersey uh, that's on the economic development team, and she says they're already talking about it. So. Yeah. It's on everybody's minds, not just electric vehicles, but autonomous vehicles and how it's going to shape the industry, how it's going to help the industry down the road. Nice. You think I'm going to like that truck on uh, November 15th? I think you're going to love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, with your background, too, you know how a truck's supposed to sure. handle. So, I mean, the other day I was doing a demo with a customer out there, and a car flies up and pulls right in front of the truck, and I started laughing as we're doing the demo, and he says, what's so funny? I said, well, I was driving the truck. Our faces would be against the windshield because I'd have slammed on the brakes, <laughs> whereas the computer slowly backed off of the car and did it just as seamlessly and as safe as you can imagine. Yeah. He's like, oh, I didn't realize that. And I said, well. I mean, driving in, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting because I, I thought that, you know, I freak out when other people drive. You know, I'm yeah. always like, what are you doing, you idiot? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, dry, yeah, yelling yeah. at the person next to me. Um, but here within like a couple minutes of like, when I was in autonomous, like it hadn't hit anything, and I was just like, "All right, I'm just now I'm just looking out the window, seeing if it seems to drive the same." So I think the the adoption of the technology and like the the, the fear that we talk about people having sometimes, I think that's going to dissipate really quick if the technology proves itself. Oh, absolutely, and you know, at some of these conferences, uh, I've also had the insurance companies who a year ago were like, "Okay, whoa," now they're really embracing. They're like, "Hey, I want to hear more." It seems like it's going to be a lot more profitable for them because it's a lot safer, a lot more consistent. It's not going to have road rage. It's not going to be out there going, hey, that guy in front of me is doing 65. I want to do 66, so i got to go around him. Yeah. yeah. It's so, got no ego. Yeah. It's got no ego. And then there's, you got, you got maintenance and fuel savings as well because it's driving at a reasonable, uh, in, in a reasonable manner. Absolutely. The wear and tear and the maintenance on the truck is going to be, we think, a whole lot less. Truck's going to last. You're going to get a lot more use out of it, which makes your profitability that much better. Now, do they get bullied on the road at all, though? Like, because I know, for example, like, I'm a masshole. I'm from Massachusetts. And if someone's, like, obeying the law and, like, going the speed limit and not cutting people off, like, they're going to get harassed. They're going to get flipped off. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you driving normal? Like, do you have to put, like, an attitude chip inside the truck? <laughs> No, it's just going to be consistent. I'm, I'm from Atlanta, so I'm yeah. with you. You're either 80 miles an hour or get out of my way. Oh, no, you're from Atlanta, so then who do you have? The, the yeah. balls or the dogs? Oh, I got the dogs oh, all the way. He's got the dogs. All right. He's got the dogs. But you talk about handling. Can you, you, you guys just going to accept that out here? We got a lot of Tennessee people. Vols or dogs? There we go. There we go. I got Did you say I, Roll Tide over there? Is that what I heard? I got no dog in a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got no, oh, he's got to play this. All right. Dogs all the way. All right, the bar just got higher. The bar <laughs> just got higher, Mr. Uh, who is next anyway? Is it Daniel? Daniel Powell. Come on up, Mr. Daniel Powell from sir. Optimal Dynamics. Where is Thank he? Thank you so much, there Mr. Henry. How are you, Daniel? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you in person. Hey, man. What's happening? Not too much. Not you know, much. I, I slept last night because we are in my own town. I slept last night in my Optimal Dynamics shirt. They are soft. <laughs> 
There's a, you know what I noticed out here? That's the only thing we did. We reordered them. We made sure they were soft. Have you guys noticed this walking on the floor? There's not as much many t-shirts as usual. Like, I no. usually stock no. up, and I got, like, my sleepwear and my fashion all set for the year. But, like, walking to the floor here, just not as many. We got to tell Kenzie to get more shirts. Not as many. <laughs> How are they treating you? What kind of conversation? Before we even get into things, what kind of conversations are you having at the booth? What is the freight community asking you about? Yeah, I mean, it's been, a, it's been great. I mean, there's just so much change, and items to make decisions on right now and tools to be able to help them act quicker, react quicker, make more concise decisions is just kind of a really big item for us, whether that's changing how, what type of drivers we're hiring, whether it's changing the economy, the amount of freight we're going to get, what kind of bids we're going to go on, what rates we're going to get, just yeah. to be able to have sort of an area that we can answer and ask questions in a safe environment. It's kind of been a really critical item for us just as there's just been so much volatility within everything. Let's talk about that speed yeah. of decision-making. Because, if you, I mean, look at this year alone, right? If you are just looking at lagging data, you wouldn't notice the massive change that happened in the freight cycle throughout the year. I mean, if you heard freight waves, you might know that. But otherwise, you, you might not. And traditionally, that's how a lot of people got their data is they would look at a cast report or something like that that like, was like, this is what happened last month. What good is that in a super volatile market? I, and it's different for every customer. Every customer has their own different shippers with their own demand fluxes. Some accounts are getting impacted more. Some accounts are getting impacted less. Some of them are still holding on, but they know in their gut that that's only going to hold on for so yeah. much longer. Um, and so it's a bit all over the place. I think for us, at the end of the day, they're just looking to kind of be able to war game it, what it might look like in six months or 12 months right. and try to get a sense about kind of upstream decisions that they need to make on those items. So the dynamics of, I mean, planning and execution are, are obviously important, right? Yep. Executing on a plan, but having it be a dynamic plan. You see what I said, did I? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a dynamic plan is important. It's got to be living and breathing, right? Yep. And you've got to be looking outside of your own comfort zone. You talk about customers have this and customers have that, but they've got to be looking outside their world and those influences as well, right? Yeah, 100%. I think when we first talk to customers, a lot of times they'll get really caught in on uh, you know, is, is Dooner or Danny taking that load? That's how we're going to make all our money. But at the end of the day, if you have all of those upstream decisions wrong, if you have the wrong accounts, if you have the wrong drivers hired in the wrong area, there's just not a lot of juice to squeeze out of there. And so it's super important to look at market data, look at rate data, look at the simulations about what might happen, and also have a system that can kind of carry it through to execution. And I think if you drop the ball on either side, you're not going to get the results you're going to want. No, wait, you mentioned gotcha. simulations. Like, are, what, you have, like, a secret freight simulator? How do you like, go like about, war like, games? how I simulate a season in Madden or something? How does that work? <laughs> Not, it's war games. It's, it's war games. It's, um, it's the ability for them to have a, a twin to their operations in a digital world. Yeah. And so they can ask whatever they want. They can use sonar data to guide their questions. They could use their gut because they had a conversation with their accounts or... You know, reading the Wall Street Journal and to be able to actually interface with sort of a digital representation of their company and not have to test it out in the real world where it gets costly very quickly yeah. uh, is a huge, huge value add for companies as they grow or scale or just sort of reacting to kind of ever changing Know, environmental operate, uh, constraints. Yeah, we, we talk about like real-time data and visibility, transparency. We throw it around as if, you know, it, they're magic dust and sprinkles. Oh, I thought I was talking to Mike. Sorry. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, where was I? Oh, oh yeah. For now on, this means talking to the mic. You don't, that'll be talking to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 
But uh, you, you, so we're talking about this transparency. But lear- knowing that lagging data and applying that to this, right? Historical isn't out of the window just because we've had this disruption for two or three years, right? Oh. You've got to understand that disruption and what is to be able to plan for it and to validate what yeah. is going on in your decisions, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of information that we can learn from historical data. You know, we can't predict the future, but we can try to build resilient plans so that when these guys go down to execute, there's multiple ways for them to have a successful day, a successful week. And so that's one strategy. And then it's how quickly can we get real-time information in? You know, we're partnered with Sonar. We can pull that data in. We can react and hopefully adapt any sort of decisions that we make in real time as we learn new information. So I think half of it is trying to, as robustly as possible, learn from the past to give you a good you know, foundation to make decisions on. But then sort of this self-healing component of the plan, which is how do you pull in dynamic, real-time, high-quality data so that when you learn something actionable, you can make quick decisions, fix your problem, you know, and, and, and progress with your day without an army of people. What <laughs> is something actionable that an audience such as this could do or could at least relay to their people? Um, one of the big items that we, it's a feature we just released within our strategic uh, plan platform is bid response. You know, it's bid season, customers are interacting yeah. with their shippers, and just like every year, they don't have tools to really understand what these new procurement events are going to mean for their operation. And so one thing that we're extremely excited about is having a platform for them to work with their accounts and actually have good responses back. You know, responses where they actually feel confident in terms of their ability to cover that freight. So hopefully at least we can solve one side of the coin. You know, maybe we can't have the perfect contract in place, yeah. but at least the carriers can better plan about when they receive that freight, they're actually prepared to take it and they don't have to reject and spoil that relationship. So right now it's bid planning and procurement events for us and helping our customers analyze those. What, uh, what animal are you most excited to see at the aquarium tonight? Oh man, I'm flying out. I'm missing it. Oh, what? I know, I'm so bad. Did you what? get up for the run this morning? What is it? Did you get up for the run this morning? I did not either. No, my, you didn't. My, I, I, have a little no tra- I have a little trainer on like an app, and he switched my workout yesterday from lifting to walking. Oh, and nice. so I got a little check mark that I actually worked out yesterday. So oh. that's about, so that's about just, all I got. You took that <laughs> I got that taken care of just walking around this hallway. <laughs> well, anyways, it's time for you to go. Before you do, you got to bang that thing. Oh, yeah, you got to yeah. try and win this cowbell competition. Oh, cowbell. All right. Well, all right. Wait, wait, so you're in first right. for now. You're, I, I see some of your competition is, is, is checking it out, though. But thank you so much for coming on. Uh, what time do you leave? 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. All right, you want to talk to this man, go talk to him quick. He's headed that way. That's right. See you later. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Take care, dude. Yeah, thanks. All right. Let's, uh, let's bring this gentleman right over here. Come on up, sir. How's it going? Transflow. How's the trans flowing through IF3 today, Mario? What's happening? What's He's happening, He's got a cheering guys? section. What's going on? Wow, you need some Thanks whistle, for too. Me. <laughs> Let's make it loud. Bobby, you can be louder. <laughs> Mr. Bussy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happening? How are you enjoying the event so far? Amazing. Uh, you know, this event is great. I was at TIA last week. Yeah. Been to a few factor shows. It's just amazing to see everyone come back out and the collaboration. I think the difference is people are coming to take something away again. You know, conferences start to slow down on what they were delivering, and you can feel the collaboration and the ability to go face-to-face with partners like Transflow. 
Yeah, and people have to have conversations, right? Yep. I mean, we're so locked away. It's nice to be out. It's nice to do conversations at scale. And, like, that's the nice thing about the actual events. It's easier online to do it over days to, right. to, to scale. But at once, like, I don't know. I was out over there. I'm talking to, like, Jed and Burr. And, like, just all these, like, amazing guys that I talk to online in Nevada on shows. And it's great to have them together. What have you been talking to the community about? You know, there's a lot going on, and, and there's so much technology here, right? And, and, and we get enamored with the technology. And what we start looking at is that the level of automation that has come into play with the brokers and the amount of data that we can extract is phenomenal. But we need to take it to that next step where we turn that data into information, right? Yeah. Like a popular thing I like to talk about is we have a, a, a rate we use. It's called OCR rate, optical character recognition, where we pull off characters off of the BOL, off of the rate cons, off of the invoices. And that OCR rate can be misleading because you can say, hey, we have a great OCR rate, but if I'm stopping at every single load to identify whether a POD was side, signed or not, I mean, what the truck? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. What the truck? No, I hear it. So, it sounds like the Lens app, too. Like Lens snap where you just, you know, you take the thing and you just scan yeah, the back yeah, of your finger. Absolutely. So what we're talking about is creating information because you can only make decisions from information, right? right. Trends, insights, and that's really where this next level is going to go to, and, and that's where Transflow is focusing their efforts. Yeah, so it's, it's taking the cool tech and actually making it do something for you. Don't have tech just to have tech. Don't fall in love with the technology. Fall in love with the outcome. Well, you know, we just talked to sort of Daniel. He's like, bid season's coming up. And I still have bid season PTSD from when I used to do RFPs and had to look at data. And at the time I was doing it, most of it would come in on spreadsheets. And it, the thing I noticed is companies have all of this data, right? Right. But it doesn't seem like anybody is, in, well, not anybody, but at least in this example, people were not administering it. Uh, the spreadsheets you would get from their various sources and carriers were all different. So it was like Absolutely. a huge labor just to even take the information. And oftentimes we had to guess. Right. And, and that's fine. But once you start automating things and right. you put in 100 trucks instead of one, you better have a big yard in case they all show up. Right, and that's where intelligent automation comes into play, right? Yeah. So we want to do more than just grab the data and pass it through. It's how do we make sense of it? How do we help the brokers get insight? Where are the good carriers? Where are the bad lanes? These are what drives decisions on how to do business. Yeah, absolutely. When you get into this, the data and the silo data that is out there, how hard is it to get that integrated? And how should people be looking at their data right now in order to get that, that extracted? Well, when you look at a company like Transflow, you think about the ecosystem. Yeah. And when you have 65,000 carriers and millions of people using a mobile app, we have the data, right? And so we have this data. And as more and more of the top brokers and all the carriers are on our platform, what it does for us, it allows us to leverage advantages for all the constituents in that field, right? The brokers, the carriers, the factors, even the shippers coming out with some electronic BOL applications. It's putting them together and reducing friction. Now, who needs help the most when it comes to this? Everyone. And that's good. Transflow's here to help all of those constituents, <laughs> right? So we play in the carrier space, in the broker space, in the factor space. So by playing in all those and having the ecosystem that we do, and again, this is for the industry, we want to move from data capture to information gathering to providing insight. Yeah. So uh, how often do you run across people with too much data analysis to paralysis type of thing? A lot. And so what you try to help them is, is stop focusing on the technology up front, work from the outcome backwards. What goals are you trying to do? Is there a metric? Are you trying to reduce the number of people? Are you trying to grow without hiring? 
Are you trying to improve customer service, vendor relations? Those are the outcomes, but we fall in love with the dashboards. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I remember we, like, when I used to do freight sales, we had this one guy, and I remember he spoke up during a meeting. It's not always a great idea to speak up during meetings. And he, he raised his hand, and he goes, are we going to get the cloud? <laughs> and this was during a sales meeting, and, like, and, and it, was a, it, was a, it was a great teaching moment because I, I had a good sales manager at the time, and he's like, you're a salesperson. What do, you, do you need the cloud, or what, what are you trying to right. accomplish? Are you trying to get documents from... Exactly. Like, what are you trying to do with it? So what you actually need is much more important than what it actually is. Absolutely. You nailed it. And that's where we try to help people understand is by meeting with them, understanding what their pain points are, figuring out what solutions in our stack will fit, as opposed to a hammer looking for a nail. Yeah. Yeah, so a reduction of... Uh, repetitive type of... Repetitive clerical yeah. tasks can be automated. Where we want to move to is hyper-automation, making decisions. Yeah, so it's, it's like automated trucks, automated yeah, vehicles, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it frees up that talent to do other... Knowledge work, work not right? clerical knowledge. work, right? That's where they're dying. You take on more business, you hire more people. We're here to help by allowing you to grow without more people. Well, if you listen to our keynote sessions here, too, you would find out that pretty soon there won't be those people. And it's not like, <laughs> oh, this is speculative. I mean, you, right. you just look at the birth rates, look at the Zoomers, look who's there. We're a generation away from this being really, really precious. Yeah, just well, to let's get empower those knowledge workers, right? Of course. And talk about yeah. getting rid of them. Oh, absolutely. Well, they're not going to be born, so you don't have to get rid of them. They're just not there. <laughs> they're just not there. there. Um, what are you, before we let you go, what are you most excited about moving into 2023 in your space? Uh, just, the, just the space coming together as technology is being uh, accepted. Yeah. But I'm most excited about tech-enabling companies and tech-enabling people mm-hmm. right, and workers and making their lives better at work, making these companies more profitable. And that's really what our goal is. Excellent. Very cool. He's got to hit this. You heard this. Let's see. We all need more cowbell. All right. No ride. I was going to say, he just threw dirt on (laughs) everyone. He not only dug a hole, he threw you in there, he buried you, and he threw you. Nice job, Mario. Hey, yeah, a little extra for that. Give me your own cowbell over that one. What's that? All right, let's bring Justin Hall over from Primo. He's got, uh, he gave me my favorite hoodie I've ever gotten at an event. And actually, I lucked out and I got two of them, Michael Vincent. Oh, so you I got two of them? live in those things, yeah. Up, because you had, like, Anthony Smith running around as, like, your street team one day in, in Freightways. And he was just <laughs> handing out shirts and he was handing out uh, the hoodies and everything. Yeah. Yeah, we had to come with the best gear. But we had to, you know, we had to share it with our Freightway family. So I'm glad you guys like it. I'm glad well, they fit. Well, I liked it because like, we first saw this. You had done the, the rebrand, right? Or you gotten the brand mm-hmm. together in Arkansas. And I was like, are you guys here from a skate company covering this or not? <laughs> you're like, no, we're just going in this direction. How has the reception been to sort of the Primo brand that you're putting out there? Oh, it, it's been good. I, I heard a pretty fun analogy, you know, like when Coyote burst on the scene, like, whatever, 15 years ago or so, like they were really dope. Like their branding was off the charts and... Um, so anyway, somebody had come out, I think it was Pat Martin came up to me. He's like, hey, you're kind of like the next coyote with this Primo branding. So, um, you know, I found a guy who was like a world-class uh, branding and brand architecture guy for the startup scene. Yeah. And I'm, he didn't know anything about logistics. I'm like, I need you to come in here and just walk us through this journey. But Primo was really fun, not only because we were, you know, building out this great swag, but, um, you know, we're, 
most of my employees are in Colombia and in Mexico. We have a lot, just a serious Latin vibe, you know, in our culture, and they are all about family. And Primo means cousin, and so just it felt right. Um, and so that's that's where really it came about. That's awesome. But you're not all about just swag, right? No. So no. what are you bringing to the conference? What are we talking about? Well, I think what I wanted to talk about is. Um, in, I offered up a title that maybe sounded a little bit harsh or cocky or whatever, but I said, you know, there's very few blue oceans left in logistics. Yeah. Most people are swimming in a pretty bloody red ocean, and that, I'm stealing that from the book Blue Ocean Strategy, and if anyone's read that book, it talks about some incredible brands like Cirque du Soleil. For example, Cirque du Soleil was one of a, one of a kind. Yeah, uh, what, what Nintendo Wii did when they came out with the, with the Wii controllers, like th that was a genuine blue ocean they were swimming in. They didn't well, have well, what competition. What the truck did to podcasting and freight. Exactly, yes. right? One of, his, one of a kind. Um, and so for me, this is my third time running the 3PL, and, and, and my belief is the same today in 2022 and into to 2023 as it was you know, 17 years ago, and that's that um, managed transportation and having customer engagement where we pursue everything or nothing. And it's not for the faint of heart, but what I mean by that is, is we're going after customers now and saying, essentially, work with us, let us control 100% of your freight budget, so that we can actually apply a dedicated team, give you bespoke TMS, do project management, freight optimization, have the aggregate data both from the front end order, you know, visibility that we get and the back end freight audit and payment data we get to then come to you with continuous improvement ideas into perpetuity. Again, it's a long sales cycle, it's hard to scale, but when you land accounts that are really willing to engage with you in that fashion, that's when you can really start to drive you know, significant value. So it's not to say that every other way of, of doing freight management or brokerage or 3PL is the wrong way. It's actually quite a bit easier to scale your more traditional middle mile, you know, point A to point B brokerage, the transactional model, if you will. Um, it's just harder to differentiate. Um, now, having said that, to make the case for, for people that are in a more aggressive and, and, and competitive, you know, pure play brokerage market, what I'll call more of the transactional market, there's just like a host of incredible companies here that can help them though. From an enablement standpoint, the beauty of this, this conference is, you know, if I'm running a brokerage, I can come here and get introduced to people that can help me with insurance, with trade finance. You know, uh, Mari was just up here talking about the things that they can do to drive productivity and efficiencies inside their business. Um, what we try to focus more so is, is on customer experience. What are the tools we can build that are going to genuinely change the way that, that, um, that they're handling their supply chains and their demand chains? And I think the only way to do that is to have really, really focused people, bespoke TMS, and, and then really a, a, an open book pricing strategy. So that's, that's our differentiator. So how does the Latin element figure, factor into all of that? What does that bring to the table for Primo? Well, I think there's a number of uh, 3PLs that have had experience working with um, one, of the, uh, one of the vendors here, Lean Solutions Group. I mean, sure. Latin America has a tremendous... Nice whistles. Yeah, nice whistles. I, I like the whistle. There's, uh, there's great talent throughout Latin America. Certainly, Colombia, I think, is a hotbed for talent. Medellin is a hotbed for technical talent. So there's a great access to engineering pool down there. Um, and so uh, what, what you'll find, though, and I brought this up with Anthony last time I was here in the spring... The vibe I get from my, my Colombian workforce, my Latin workforce, in the same would apply in Mexico, they take pride in customer experience and they take pride in the brand that they work for, kind of the way the U.S. worker did 30, 40 years ago, right? I mean, like, whether it's hats or, or, or T-shirts or coffee mugs or, or just, they really want to run and brag to their friends and family that they work for a U.S.-based company, they're doing all this business in North America, 
And they live for the brand. I mean, they bring their heart and soul to the business. And so that's a pretty special thing to see. It's not like I'm going to sit here and try to, you know, smack talk millennials here in, in the U.S. It is harder to get that loyalty. People are quicker to, the minute they, you know, hit a moment of adversity or they haven't been named a VP within six months, they want to leave, right? Yeah. You, don't, you don't experience that in Latin. So. That's very interesting. And plus, you've got, the, you, you've got the population change as well. So we've learned over the last couple of days Mexico is our next, you know, it's where we're finding the labor. And then Mexico needs another Mexico. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Which is going on there. When you talk about uh, bespoke TMS, go mm-hmm. into that a little bit more. What, what, what is... Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, you know, I've been, I've been watching TMS for almost 20 years, and, and I think everyone's trying to continue to refine the way that you build your rating engine to use external data to make smart routing decisions uh-huh. and try to pair capacity up with demand. And that's fantastic, and there's been great progress that I've witnessed, in, in, in especially the last five years. What I think is missing is bridging CRM with TMS. Okay, so the way I look at it is file management, contact management, ideas, issues, case management, optimization events, whether that's mode shift, consolidation, all these ideas that get amalgamated through day-to-day conversations, through QBRs, annual Mm -hmm. business reviews. Most of that information like goes and just disappears into ether. Yeah. You know, I might be keeping it in Salesforce. Someone else might be keeping it in a HubSpot. And someone right. might be writing on a literally a yellow pad, right? And is, or sticking it. And like to me, it's just ridiculous that we don't have a common repository or a dossier of every idea we've ever talked about, every bid that we've ever bid on. Because when you amalgamate that over time, the quality of your reviews are only going to get better and better. And more importantly, it's like a CYA situation. If some new hotshot procurement guy comes in and wants to shop me, I want to be able to say, hey, hold up. Before you take Primo to bid, why don't you look at what we've done for you in the last four quarters, eight quarters, wow, however long that's, that's been. And point. so now you've got this control tower that's, you know, your report card for everything we've, do, you know, we've done or every idea we've brought that you chose not to act on. So if you're going to take me to an RFP because you're worried about pricing, but I brought you 10 ideas for optimization and you didn't want to work on them, right? There, there's an irony there. So yeah, It also homogenizes your quality across your workforce as well, right? So now you yep. have more and more people who can work on d- the same accounts and have that repository of information to be able yep. to deal with their needs. You want everyone on the same page. You want it configurable because not every user needs to see the same thing. So you want to yeah. be able to configure down to the user level. The reason why I'm so passionate about building and maintaining sort of your own destiny with TMS yeah. is because, and this is sort of my last element of the Blue Ocean strategy is, I'm a fundamental believer, and I, and I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm betting the farm that shippers, retailers, wholesalers, industrial distributors are going to become brokers. Yeah. The day is going to come where you're going to have people that are for profit in some other product or service. They're going to say, hey, why can't I offer freight management as a service? And I want Primo to be able to be that brokerage in a box for them. I want to be able to skin the TMS to look like their logo. I want to be able to stand up a team that essentially can do the same work that they would do without them having to hire and pivot to learn to be a broker. We'll build that forum, let them white label it, open book the, the pricing and just gain share it. That's a, you know, I, I don't see a lot of people doing that, like turnkey, like I'll yeah. just stand you up the brokers, the team, the pricing, and everything you need. Now you go offer it as a retailer, right? Mm. Um, as a industrial distributor, you could be in, in any of a number. You could be in manufacturing and say, I've got this whole halo of suppliers and customers that I could also be offering freight services to. So I'm pretty interested to see if in the next five years my prediction comes true. Now, you're a passionate person. I'm a passionate person. When you're passionate, things chafe your ass. What in freight <laughs> chafes your ass? Oh, man. Um, one, like all the catchphrases, like I was joking last night, like between I, AI, ML, and blockchain, and, and, yeah. and visibility, and it's like, there's like, I don't know, there's a million catchphrases. I think the thing that frustrates me is there is a host of world-class technologies being built and funded. Like we've seen the emergence of venture capital that's come into our space and private equity capital that's come in to, to help this 
you know, relatively archaic industry advance. My fear is, and it sounds like you've had previous speakers touch on this, we're spending all this time and energy to amass this data, and what are we doing with it? I think the activation is still lacking, and part of that's just because, one, you've got to have people to do it. Yeah. We talk about a knowledge worker, like people have to actually take this information and, and put it to work, whether it's for the benefit of the carrier, the benefit of the customer, or to improve their own productivity and, and, and profitability. And so you need really smart people to do that, and you actually have to recruit and, and pay them properly and, and let them do the job. Um, you can't just say, I'm going to subscribe for Sonar or P44 or Transflow and then not do anything with that information. Yeah. So I think that there's an element of that. That, that definitely chaps my ass. Um, I, think the other, <laughs> I think the other piece um, really has to do with, like, I don't think a lot has changed when you look at employee churn. Yeah. Most people in this space are used to there being like this, you know, call it six month to two year sort of cycle where kids are just processing in and out of companies. Oh, like that quiet quitting thing? Yeah. That's it, like, that's marketing uh, BS. That's, that's nothing BS. new. Uh, oh, you're only working as much as you're paid to work. Oh, my, the horror. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think like, listen, the obligations on the employer, like, you know, give them a reason to stay. And yeah. it isn't all compensation. You've got to develop them. You've got to show them that there's a career track. And if you're lazy about that, then why are you setting back surprised that they're leaving? So that still chaps in my butt, too. All right. Well, yeah. now chafe the cowbell's butt. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, like, how do I, like, do blue extra call or something? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. How, how are you going to be like Santana? That's my best Will Ferrell right there. It was decent. It was pretty it good. It was pretty bad. good. Yeah. It wasn't bad. We'll give you that. It was, you know, Mario's was a little tougher. I see a guy over there named Bob. Bob, can you, Bob Bussy, can you come up here real quick? Come up here now. from come BWS. On, <laughs> Yeah, give this the business right here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming on, Justin. You take this one over, Mr. Bob. Yeah. Give it a whack. Better than me. Better than me. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Take it easy. Hold on, Bob. Give it. Give a shout out to your people. What's up, man? You're here at BWS. I'm here with uh, BWS Logistics. Hold on, talking to the mic, talking to the mic. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have you here. It's nice seeing you in town. Here. Yeah, it's been great. It's uh, an amazing event. It's great to be here, and it's, uh, it's just been excellent. Well, you know what? We're seeing everyone in person. I've had a lot of guests on What the Truck remotely, but you are the only one to ever do an interview from a Star Trek convention. So I did do that. Yes. And impromptu. I, impromptu interview, interview of Trekkies. Klingons, everything, you know, yeah. whatever it takes. What's going on in the beverage space? Uh, you know, it's, it's people drinking more and kind of depressing uh, it's, society? It's, luckily, it's a, I won't say it's a disaster-proof space, but, you know, people are, yeah. are always going to be drinking a little bit. So yeah. it's, it's doing well. What do they drink more, good times or bad? Uh, that's yes. A, <laughs> I, I think in good, time, in good times, it's, it's more, you know, you, get, you see more like a, Speaking about peak for this year, it's, it's been a real mini peak, uh, if, if at all. And uh, you I would, know, I'd imagine there's different brands that people drink when they're happy or sad, right? Yeah, they, I they, would they, think so. They, when right? when things are going great, they they may drink more more of the thirty six, thirty eight dollar bottles. Right. And after that, they might t- tough times. You know, they might be more of the twelve dollar, three buck chuck type stuff. You know. Yeah, there's only so much Goldschlager you can uh, you can stomach. Yes, Wild Irish. <laughs> Before I let you go, though, any, any, any other tech like in beverage? Because now I'm curious. We're talking about, we're learning about all these new tech. Anything new going in terms of freight and, service, and servicing the beverage um, space? You know, not so much. We are embracing a lot of the uh, tech that's here and, and, and that kind of thing. And I, something I heard 
Craig Fuller say today uh, really hit home, and it was that, you know, all this tech is great, but at the end of the day, you still have to, it's all about personal relationships, and, and that's what's being developed here. I came out of the trade show industry 12 years and found my way into this space called Brokerage 3PL through, through losing my job at a, a company who produces trade shows. So being back out, seeing this great event here being produced, I believe it's by Freeman. They've done a great job. And uh, what's, wait, what's a tougher space, uh, the 3PL brokerage space or the uh, event management space? Um, they're both tough. They both have long hours. They're both difficult. Uh, if you're from a sales side, you can be able to do a little bit better. I've kind of moved into the sales side, so you yeah, know, that's a, it's been a little better for me. Working from home more, I used to travel a lot for trade shows, so. Well, now you don't have to worry as much about writ, like trade shows, the, the whole writ, like COVID. But before 2020, you would never, they'd be like, yeah, a store might cancel a show, but you wouldn't be like an entire year or two years of shows are going to get canceled by yeah, this. I was, I was at Con Ag, a big show in uh, Las Vegas, when COVID was really hitting. They actually showed, closed the show down a day early. March 19th, 2020 was my last flight until, I don't know, about uh, maybe half a year ago. So it really changed things for a lot of people, but the pivot's been great. And, uh, BWS Logistics has been doing uh, doing doing great. We grew from two employees when I started. We have 27 now. We also are big fans of Lean uh, oh. Solu- Lean Solutions. Everyone's fr- everyone's been shouting out to Lean. They're like no, really they're they're great. They're, and the people are who work for Lean. They are true members of our team. Yeah. We don't look at them as hired help or temps or anything like that. They're they're uniformed members. We have our own space there with our logo on the wall. So it's it's been great. Uh, they've done an amazing job. At least. Uh, my limited view of Freightway stuff, of just getting integrated with so many different partners that are at these things, and it's cool to see them grow. It's cool to see everyone grow who's really yeah, the, utilizing these the things. The networking at this event has been amazing, so... Well, yeah. it's going to get even better, because in an hour, the shuttles are going to take you over to Coolidge Park. There's oh, yeah. a big concert going on over oh, there. Yeah. Um, I know some like some people who live in town are bringing family with them. I know my family's going to stop by, so we'll have a good time. Are the dogs uh, coming? You know what? What's funny is cool, Renaissance Park here in Chattanooga, it's right next to Coolidge Park, but they don't allow dogs at Coolidge Park, and they literally they have like people in golf carts who will oh. ride up to you right away and be like... Oh, the doggy police? The doggy police. They do okay. have the doggy No puppy police. police. Yeah. Here, but we're going to head over to Coolidge Park. We'll be down there in a minute, and then afterwards we got uh, Aquarium, big party event going on there, and then uh, a little bit more happening tomorrow. We got one more What the Truck, so... See y'all tonight. If we don't see y'all, so we'll be going down the floor, too. We're shooting a couple segments. So if you see us walking down the floor, you get something interesting to say. Stop us. Right, Michael Vincent? Yeah, amen. All right. Subscribe yeah, to What the Truck, wherever you get podcasts. Two great guys right here. Two great guys. Subscribe to What the Truck, wherever you get podcasts. We usually air Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon Eastern time. You want the video version, download the Freight Waves TV app or watch it on tv.freightwaves.com or subscribe on YouTube, right? Freight Waves YouTube. Right. Click the bell. Do it. What the Truck. Every week. Thanks, Thanks guys. Take care. Much love. Good care. You are listening to what?